Well, we are over in Judges chapter 17. In verse 1, now this is picking up, this is not really a, and we're going to see as we go through this why it is not, but this is kind of a parenthetical part of Judges. This does not happen after Samson. Samson really ends the period of the Judges. And then these things go on before. And the, the, the story itself is going to date itself for us. We're going to find out where it is in all this. But it does not happen to be in this time frame. And we'll see some of the things that are regarding that. Judges 17 and verse 1. Now there was a man from the mountains of Ephraim whose name was Micah. And he said to his mother, The eleven hundred shekels of silver that were taken from you and on which you put a curse, even saying it in my ears, Here is the silver with me, I took it. And his mother said, May you be blessed by the Lord my son. So when he had returned the eleven hundred shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver from my hand to the Lord for my son to make a carved image and a molded image. Now therefore I will return it to you. Thus he returned the silver to his mother. Then his mother took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to the silversmith and he made it into a carved image and a molded image and they were in the house of Micah. The man Micah had a shrine and made an ephod and household idols and he consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. In those days there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So here we get a son who steals from his mother. Then she says some things that's going to happen to the one who stole the money. And so he gets guilty about it, and he decides to return the money. And um, the amount of money that is here is 1,100 shekels of silver. What is interesting to note is that in the story of, of uh, we just read in Samson, Delilah was paid 1,100 shekels of silver from each of the five lords of the Philistines. And uh, we talked about how much that was. That it was, uh, you know, it may not have been a great sum of money. But here's something in this passage. We're going to kind of jump ahead here. There's going to be a priest who's going to be offered a yearly salary of 10 shekels of silver. And he's going to be glad. If 10 shekels of silver would make somebody glad for a year's wage, now his boarding was all taken care of, understand that. Um, But if 10 shekels of silver was going to make him happy, 1,100 shekels of silver is considerably more. So 1,100 shekels of silver that were taken from you. So she, she gets it back. And so when he had returned the 1,100 shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver from my hand to the Lord for my son to make a carved image. Didn't find them over there. I really did think I brought them over and I didn't put them back in that spot. All right, well, I'll hand them out to you after we'll go find them. They got to be somewhere around. I had wholly dedicated the silver from my hand to the Lord for my son to make a carved image and a molded image. Now, therefore, I will return it to you. Then he returned the silver to his mother's. Then his mother took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to the silversmith and he made it into a carved image and a molded image and they were in the house of Micah. Some folks think that this is fashioned in a way such as a possible imitation of the Ark of the Covenant. Now, we're going to date this in a little while as to when this occurs, but just to jump ahead, this is occurring shortly after the time of Joshua. This is not very long after that. So this is not at the end of the period of Judges. This is way at the beginning when we come to a time frame of of when this is. So um, they may have just been looking to try and take the period, uh, what was going on with the ark, and doing something with that. 
It's possible. It's also possible that they just were doing like the Israelites had done and had a a uh, golden calf and just made up their own thing to look what they wanted it to look like. So they took 200 shekels of silver and gave it to the silversmith, and he made it into a carved image and a molded image, and they were in the house of Micah. The man Micah had a shrine and made an ephod and household idols, and he consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. Now, there's all kinds of things wrong with this. I mean, it's, you know, they count, they count the ways, but he made his own ephod. Well, there's not supposed to be his own ephod. There's only supposed to be one ephod that's used by the high priest, and so we're messing up with that. Household idols, well, whether they were to depict things of God or the things of uh, the ark or the cherubim or whatever it might, might have been, if it wasn't like that, the Word of God says, I shall not make any great image. And so they blew by that one. And consecrated one of his sons. Well, who is Micah to consecrate anyone? And who is his son that he would be a priest? So um, it's just wrong on so many levels. It's just hard to get through all that. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Well, Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 8 says, You shall not all do as we are doing here today, every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. That comes right out of the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, Don't do it, but a number of times in the book of Judges, we hear that everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. For as yet you have not come to the rest and the inheritance which the Lord your God has given you, but when you cross over the Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God has given you to inherit, and he gives you rest from all your enemies round about, so so you dwell in safety, then there will be the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. There you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your heave offerings, your hand, and all your choice offerings which you vow to the Lord. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levite who is within your gates, since he has no portion nor inheritance with you. Take heed to yourself that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see, but in the place which the Lord chooses in one of your tribes, in one of your tribes, not in all. In one of the tribes there will be a place, and that's where you're to go. There you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I command you. Now, there's really no getting around that. He said in one tribe, in one tribe, this is where it's going to be, and this is where you are to worship, and just in the one. But um, when you see the mother... She's so glad that she got this money back. You know, she's probably praying to the Lord. Lord, I need that money. And uh, bring that money back. And so she gets that money back and she says, oh, good. And it just popped in my heart to do this while uh, the money came back that we should make a graven image out of it. And so we sent it off and do that. But many people think that whatever comes into their heart must be God if they love God. (laughs) How many times have we talked with Christians who think that just because I love God, whatever comes into my heart... It's a good thing, except for the fact that Deuteronomy says <laughs> everybody's not supposed to do what's right in their own eyes. And in one tribe, there will be one place, and that's where you're supposed to do all these things. And, and thou shalt make no graven images before me. So that wouldn't be God if it comes in your heart. If it comes in your heart, what you should do with it? You should put it down because the word of God would rise up in your heart and say, no, that's not right. And we don't accept it. 
But she didn't do that because she's like many people who are even around today. Well, it just felt like the Lord put that in my heart and I don't think the Lord would leave, leave me wrong. And you just hear these things that people say and, oh man, it just drives you crazy, doesn't it? Everything must be judged by His Word. Everything must be judged by His Word. No matter how good in the intentions are, everything must be judged by the Word of God. Verse 7, Now there was a young man from Bethlehem in Judea of the family of Judah. He was a Levite and was staying there. The man departed from the city of Bethlehem in Judah to stay wherever he could find a place. Then he came to the mountains of Ephraim, so the house of Micah, uh, to the house of Micah as he journeyed. And Micah said to him, Where do you come from? So he said to him, I am a Levite from Bethlehem in, Ju in Judah, and I am on my way to find a place to stay. Now this does not sound good. Again, the date of this is shortly after the time Joshua. And you got an unemployed priest. Which means that shortly after the time of Joshua, not a whole lot of people were making the trip over to Jerusalem. And therefore, there wasn't a whole lot for the Levites to do. And there wasn't enough coming in to take care of the Levites. So some of the Levites departed and figured it is better to go out and find something to do than to stay here and do basically nothing. So it tells you the state of Israel fairly quickly after Joshua left. There was not a, or this might even be overlapping some of the time that Joshua was there before he died. So he says, I'm a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, and I'm on my way to find a place to stay. Micah said to him, this must be God. That's basically what he's saying to him. This must be God. You need a place to stay. I need a priest. <laughs> so Micah said to him, dwell with me. And be a father and a priest to me. <clears throat> and I will give you ten shekels of silver per year. A suit of clothes and your sustenance. So he won't have to pay for any food, any room or board. All he has to do is uh, he gets a new suit of clothes per year. That may not work for some of you. <laughs> One new set of clothes per year and ten shekels of silver. But um, he was pretty happy with that. And apparently it was better than what he was getting. It was better than what he did have. So the Levite went in. Then the Levite was content to dwell with the man. The Levite was content. to Whatever it was, he was paying him 10 shekels. It made him content. He was glad. So it made him content. And the young man became like one of his sons to him. Well, at first off, he said to be a father, but now he's becoming like one of his sons. Now, remember, he took one of his sons, had dedicated... Had, Daddy came in as priest, but his other guy came in and said, sorry, you're out. <laughs> sorry, son, you're out. This guy's in. God brought him over here to us. The Levi's thinking, boy, I was feeling like I had to get out of there. And so I got out of there and look at this opportunity. This must be God. This must be God to do this. And so he's going to be a priest to have this one family bring their sacrifices and all their things. They're going to do this right here. And he's going to be, hey, this is a, this is a promotion. Before I was just a Levite. Now I get to be a priest. And he's probably even doing some of the things that the high priest should do. So he's looking at it as a promotion. And boy, is God just blessing him because he left where he was at. So Micah consecrated the Levite. Again, who was Micah? <laughs> to do that. And the young man became his priest and lived in the house of Micah. Then Micah said, now I know that the Lord will be good to me since I have a Levite as a priest. <laughs> All right, so we're always looking for outward signs that God's going to be good to us. Now, I've uh, consecrated a man to be a priest for me, and so obviously things are going to be good. 
It is amazing what people who say they serve God use to justify their actions. But yet, we do. We do have to remember that though there are people, and certainly no one here, but you know other places, though we try and justify the things that we do as being God or God ordained or God allowed or whatever it might be, if it's against the Word of God, it's against the Word of God. And no matter how much we use circumstances, it's not going to help. The Word of God says that every man did what was right in his own eyes. But in the book of Deuteronomy it says, don't do what's right in your own eyes. Do what's written in the Word of God. So for Micah, he calls that which is wrong a way of blessing. So often Christians do it today. Verse 1 of chapter 18. In those days there was no king in Israel. And in those days, the tribe of the Danites, now this is mentioned a number of times in the book of Judges, that there was no king in Israel, which tells you that the book of Judges was written when there was a king in Israel. Because when you were in the book of Judges, there wasn't supposed to be a king of Israel. So they weren't necessarily looking forward to the time when a king would be over Israel. So the fact that this is mentioned over and over, it is telling us that the book of Judges was not written during the time of no kings, but the time of kings. And in those days, the tribe of the Danites was seeking an inheritance for itself to dwell in. For until that day, their inheritance among the tribes of Israel had not fallen to them or they had not taken it. So the children of Dan sent five men of their family from their territory, men of valor from Zorah, the Eshtael, to spy out the land and search it. They said to them, go search the land. So they went to the mountains of Ephraim, to the house of Micah and lodged there. And while they were at the house of Micah, they recognized the voice of a young Levite. They turned aside and said to him, Who brought you here? You're not supposed to be in this place. You're a Levite. You're supposed to be over. What are you doing in this place? What do you have here? And he said to them, Thus and so Micah did for me. He has hired me, and I have become his priest. So they said to him, Please inquire of God that we may know whether the journey on which we go will be prosperous. I don't know if you're going to ask a man of God to decide whether your way is prosperous, shouldn't that man of God be doing what he ought to be doing? He's not in the right place. He's a priest for a family. And probably not even a priest to begin with, just a Levite. Now, a priest is a Levite, but there are certain people, certain clans of the Levites that were supposed to be the priest. And more than likely, he was not one of them, or he would not have been called a Levite. So please inquire of the of God, that we may know whether the journey on which we will go will be prosperous. Now, this is interesting because uh, Dan, one of the tribes of Israel, when Joshua commissioned all the tribes, he said, here's your portion, here's your portion, here's your portion, here's your portion. And they said, go and conquer it. And so they're going to go and conquer a portion of land so they can go and, and take over it. Well, what has God said about their journey? He said, go conquer it. I'm going to be, Joshua even told them, the Lord will be with you. The Lord will help you to do this thing. So they get on out there and well, I'll tell you what, so often this happens to Christians because Judges tells us a whole lot of things not to do and this is certainly one of them. If God has commissioned you to do something, stop asking Him if you should. Stop asking Him if you're going to be blessed. Stop looking at circumstances that say it's not going to work, it's not going to work, it's not going to work. And tell the circumstances, my God told me that I should do this. Too often, 
we, we forget the stories in the Bible that tell us about people who took on circumstances and the circumstances said it's not going to work, it's not going to work, it's not going to work. And they said, no, it is going to work. And they went on and had it work. But uh, we face anything of opposition, anything that's a problem. And well, you know, there's a man of God. Let's find out. Is, is God really in this? Is, is, is God going to help us do this? The men that they picked, they sent five men of their family from the territory, men of valor, to spy out the land. So they were brave men. These are warriors. These are soldiers. But apparently they're not necessarily strong men of God. So uh, the tribe of Dan pursues land to dwell in. And we're going to see that they're going to also find a different way to worship. But here, let's pick up in verse 6. And the priest said to them, Go in peace. The presence of the Lord be with you on your way. When did he seek after God? They asked him to ask God, to pursue God, to ask God on this thing. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel good about this. It's, I don't get nothing. I'd say I feel real good about this. Yeah, go in peace. The presence of the Lord be with you on your way. And they feel better. <laughs> Why? Because a man who was a Levite, who is now sitting in the office of a priest, who is leading people in a family in worship that is not ordained by God, in a place that is not ordained by God, with images that are not ordained by God, with half-fathers that are not ordained by God. And he said, go on your way, you're, you'll prosper. And they, okay. It tells you how spiritual these men are that they sent out. Now, when Joshua sent out spies, he got men that were not only brave, he got people that were spiritual. Because he was part of that group of 12, and he, was, he knew what it was like to be out there with some spies that were not spiritual. He knew it was far more important. Now, Joshua and Caleb were both val- valiant men, but they were also spiritual men. And he knew that was a bigger quality than the other. But the people of Dan, they didn't do that. So the five men departed and went to Laish. They saw the people who were there, how they dwelt safely in the manner of the Sidonians, quiet and secure. And there were no rulers in the land who might put them to shame for anything. They were far from the Sidonians. And they had no ties with anyone. They're all there by themselves. So if they conquered them, then no one's really going to come down here and conquer. I'm not sure how they found all this out by spying and such. They must have interacted with them somehow. Then the spies came back to their brethren at Zorah, at Eshtaol, and their brethren and said to them, What is your report? So they said, Arise, let us go up against them. For we have seen the land, and indeed it is, a, it is very good. Would you do nothing? Do not hesitate to go and enter to possess the land. When you go, you will come to a secure people and a large land. For God has given it into your hands, a place where there is no lack of anything that is on the earth. Well, imagine having a place where there is no lack of anything on the earth and you don't have a whole lot of strength to secure it. Because back then, every man did what was right in his own eyes. There was no government. There was no law over it. And you know, God has put governments in there to protect people. Governments are there to protect people. That's the idea of them. Back in the days, early days of our country, when you didn't have a strong government to, to settle that up, people did what was right in their own eyes. And if you had 20 guys and somebody else had five, well, then your will's probably going over their will. That's how a lot of them operated. But uh, government's kind of a good government anyway. takes care of that. We know that there's countries out there that have some tyrants and some nasty folks. And, well, they're not setting up governments that really help the people out. But that's what a government is supposed to do. 
For God has given into your hands a place where there is no lack of anything that is on the earth. Verse 11. And 600 men of the family of the Danites went from there. 600 men from the family of the Danites. Folks, this is not the whole tribe of Dan. <laughs> Obviously, at this point, the whole tribe of Dan is a whole lot bigger than only having 600 people to put into an army. This is a, a, a small group out of the uh, tribe of Dan that was looking for a place for themselves, and they hadn't found one yet. But they're part of the Dan. They're called the Danites. And from Zorah and Eshtael, armed with weapons of war, they went up and encamped in Kirjath Jerem in Judah. Therefore, they called the place Mahana Dan. To this day, there it is, west of Kirjath Jerem. Now, Maha, Mahana Dan means camp of Dan, which is where Samson was born. Samson was born in the camp of Dan. Or in Mahana Dan. Mahana Dan. So if Samson is born in this place that is named in chapter 18, then chapter 18 must have come before the time of Samson. <laughs> that certainly must have happened before that. Verse 13, And they passed from there to the mountains of Ephraim and came to the house of Micah. Then the five men who had gone to spy out the country of Laish answered and said to their brethren, Do you know that there are in these houses an ephod, household idols, a carved image, and a molded image? Now, therefore, consider what you should do. <laughs> so they're telling them this. Hey, there's some good stuff in there. Now, I'm not telling you what you do. You all can do what you want to. But I'm just telling you, there's some really nice stuff over there. There's an ephod. There's some household idols or... If they were trying to refer to something of the worship of Jehovah there, maybe. But that's not uh, how it seems to come across. So they turned aside there and came to the house of the young Levite man. Again, not calling him a priest. To the house of Micah and greeted him. The 600 men armed with their weapons of war, who were of the ch children of Dan, not all the children of Dan, they were of the children of Dan, stood by the entrance of the gate. Then the five men who had gone to spy out the land went up, entering there, and they took the carved image, the ephod, the household idols, and the molded image. The priest stood at the entrance of the gate, and the 600 men who were armed with weapons of war, when these went into Micah's house and took the carved image, the ephod, the household idols, and the molded image, the priest said to them, What are you doing? This is my employee. This is what I do. If you take this, I'm not going to get my ten shekels per year and my one thing of clothing and all the border that I need. And they said to him, be quiet. Put your hand over your mouth and come with us. How many people have you ever run, run into you like to say, put your hand over your mouth? <laughs> but that's what they say. Be quiet. Put your hand over your mouth and come with us. Be a father and a priest to us. Is it better for you to be a priest to the household of one man, or that you be a priest to a tribe and a family in Israel? Is it better? Is it better for you to be the priest, the household of one man, or of a tribe of the family in Israel? Now, they forgot one. They put an heir of a family, they put an heir or a family of a man, but they also should have put in there the nation of God. They put in there the family of a of one man, they put in there a tribe. But he's called to be a priest 
or a Levite anyway, of the nation of God. He's not doing that. Now, remember in verse 3, the men asked, what do you have here? And he went over and he showed them all the stuff that he had. And they began to think, you know what, that's pretty neat stuff. Those are some pretty neat toys. I've always wondered about that, having our own personal one. And, you know, we didn't make these. They're already made. So we just take them. Seemed to be doing them uh, okay. They were doing okay there. So they uh, maybe they didn't want to go out there and make them themselves. But, hey, if we just take what's already there. And so they went and they took that and they, they took the priest who was over all this stuff. Now, when you get your outlines, we can put this in there, but I put in your, in your outline that people today still compare what people have with what they want, not what God says. People compare what they have with what they want. The people of Dan may be looking, boy, you just, if you want to do all that worship stuff, you don't have to go all the way down to Jerusalem or they were going to, they were going to Shiloh, I think, at that time. You don't have to go all the way down to Shiloh. You can just, right here in the house. You don't have to go nowhere. Boy, that is convenient. That is nice. It's like when you, uh, back in the old days, when you went shopping. Well, you had to go way into town. You know, it was 30 miles to get into town on a horse or a horse and buggy or something like that. Now you don't have, you just jump in the car and you drive a mile or two. Load up the car and bring it back. If you forgot milk, that's okay. We'll just go back out and get it. That wasn't the way that it was before. <laughs> but people today still compare what people have with what they want, not with what God says. And I'll tell you what, folks, today, they're always trying to get you to compare what others have with what you want and get you into an envious position. Don't take it. It's not what God wants you to be doing. So they offer him to come along and to be a priest for a whole tribe instead of just a family. So the priest's heart was glad. And he took the ephod, the household idols, and the carved image, and he took his place among the people. So he didn't wait for them to take it. He said, I'll take it with me. <laughs> and so I'm the priest. I'll carry these things. And so he goes and he gets them and he carries them along. So he's glad. He's seen this as a promotion. Well, God saw me as being faithful priest for a family. Now God has made me a priest of a whole tribe. No, God did not. Because God does not make priests of tribes. He does not make priests of families. He makes priests of nations and they come to the place and that's what they were to do. But people, we can, we can justify anything and typically do. And when you get your outlines, you can write this in there. I put this. Gladness is not always rightness. Just because people are glad about something that happened in their life does not mean that it's right. And you can see this over and over. Sometimes I, I laugh at some of the things I see going on because people come on out and, oh, oh so glad, so glad. Oh, look at this, look at this blessing. Look at this, how this is going on. They're glad, they're glad, they're glad. And you're thinking, that's not of God and it's not going to last. And sure enough, it don't last. Gladness is not always rightness. Verse 21. Then they turned and departed and put the little ones, the livestock and the goods in front of them. When they were a good way from the house of Micah, in other words, we're going to put the men between so that if Micah wants to come out, he's got to come through the men of war. When they were a good way from the house of Micah, the men who were in the houses near Micah's house gathered together and overtook the children of Dan. And they called out to the children of Dan so that they turned around and said to Micah, what ails you that you have gathered such a company? <laughs> they knew why they were coming. They expected it. That's why they set up their, their stuff in the order they did. So he said, you have taken away my gods, which I made, and the priest, which you have gone, and, and you have gone away. Now, what more do I have? How can you say to me what ails you? Now, no matter how he started this thing, with what intentions he may have started it, 
where it is now is he looks at this as the gods that I made and you take in my priest and you've gone away. You're taking away my gods which I made and the priest. These are all things he made. Took them away. And the children of Dan said to him, Do not let your voice be heard among us, lest angry men fall upon you and you lose your life. In other words, you better keep it down because there's some people over here not as lenient as I am. (laughs) And if they hear you, they're all going to come over here and kill you. And you lose your life with the lives of your household. Then the children of Dan went their way. And when Micah saw that they were too strong for him, he turned and went back to his house. The only thing that made him go back was that they were too strong. So Micah turned back because those that were against him were too strong. But how many times do we see it in the Word that when people were standing up for the things of God and the force that was against them was mightier, God showed up and they overcame. David with Goliath, Saul with the Philistines, David with all his battles. Many times people would show up at the right cause and God would take a small company such as Gideon, such as others, uh, Abraham with his 200 servants going after five kings. But Micah looks at this and turns around because all his worship, all the stuff that he's doing, which he's doing it wrong, is not producing in him what it needs to produce. And so when he comes against opposition, he has nothing to stand. Verse 27, So they took the things of Micah had made and the priest who had belonged to him and went to Laish to a people quiet and secure. And they struck them with the edge of the sword and burned the city with fire. And there was no deliverer because it was fire from Sidon and they had no ties with anyone. It was in the valley that belongs to Beth Rahab. So they rebuilt the city and dwelt there and they called the name of the city Dan after the name of Dan their father who was born to Israel. However, the name of the city formerly was Laish. So they come in here and they take Laish. Now, if you're the Danites and you just got this new ephod and this new, um, these new gods, these new uh, graven images and a new priest and you brought her along and you came into an overwhelming victory, what would you think? Well, God has blessed us. So we're going to take this form of worship and we're going to set this up and we're going to do some things with it. Now, over in Joshua chapter 19, verse 47. We're going to read just two verses for you here. Joshua 19, verse 47. And the border of the children of Dan went beyond these because the children of Dan went up to fight against Leshem, another spelling of Laish, and took it. And they struck it with the edge of the sword, took possession of it and dwelt in it. They called Leshem Dan after the name of Dan, their father. Sound familiar? This is the inheritance of the tribe of Dan according to their families, their cities, and their villages. In this depiction in Joshua, we don't have any of the idolatry that had gone along with this battle. But in the book of Judges, we get the rest of the story. Kind of like uh, Paul Harvey. Coming around. Ever hear Paul Harvey's and the rest of the story? I love Paul Harvey and the rest of the story. He went home to be with the Lord anymore, but uh, Christian man in the news used to bring out... Anybody ever not, never heard Paul Harvey? Wow. He's something else. He was, he was fun. He, when I heard that Keith Green died, he was the newscaster I heard it from. He was just one of those guys. But he would come on up with the rest of the story. You would hear a story in the news and things, and he would come up and tell you the whole rest. I was absolutely riveting. I bet you if you go up online, you can probably Google and find some of his rest of the stories. But this is kind of what it is. We're getting the rest of the story here. 
Then the children of Dan set up for themselves the carved image. And Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. So they set up for themselves Micah's carved image, which he made all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. This is after the time of Joshua. They have the house of God in Shiloh. This is where they're supposed to come to do the worship, and they did not do it. They set it up here in Dan. Remember when Jeroboam set up two golden calves? One of them was in what tribe? Dan has been very prone to idolatry and very open to the idea of having one of their cities used for false worship. And it started right after Joshua. And it started back in here. Now, here's a real interesting note that you could skip right over. Then the children of Dan set up for themselves the carved image, and Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. Does this sound like it could be the same guy who came over from Micah? Because Mike, the, Micah's priest comes over with the Dan, Dan and he says, We're gonna be, you can be our priest. So it would seem that now we have a name with the priest that had gone over to Micah. So here's an interesting note. I'm going to read this to you. This comes from Dakes. Jonathan, or there was a Jonathan who was the grandson of Moses. His contemporary in the high priesthood was Phineas, the grandson of Aaron, mentioned in Judges 20 and verse 28. Manasseh had no son named Gershom, but Moses did. It is believed that Moses was altered to Manasseh to, in some copies, to preserve the honor and memory of the great lawgiver among Israelites. A simple suspension of the Hebrew word Nun over the word Mosheth, Moses, would change it to Manasseh. I don't know Hebrew well enough to know all that sort of stuff, so I'll just read that to you. Ancient authorities, both Jews and Gentiles, agree about this, as do many modern translators, Rothlerm, Moffat, Berkeley, and others have son of Moses. Many commentators also agree Moses' genealogy in First Chronicles 23:14 through 16 has Shebuel as the son of Gershom. Shebuel meaning captive of God is thought to be the name of Jonathan after his repentance. It is very possible that a descendant of Moses was unemployed as a Levite and left to go find employee elsewhere and then ended up in the tribe of Dan with the household of Micah. There's a quote I put in your outline that men never do evil so completely and cheerfully as when they do it from religious conviction. <laughs> and boy, is that not true. That's from uh, Blaise Pascal. There is really nothing good in this story at all. So often we look at stories and we look at events and we're always trying to see the good and the bad. But there are times when there is no good. There is no good in this story. There is nothing that we should follow after. Though there were victories, though there were times of, uh, that appeared to have some blessing come, God was not in it because God's word had said, I'm not in that. And we've got to take the same thing out today. We may see people doing things outside of the word of God and be blessed or at least have the appearance of a blessing. And maybe we get tempted to say, you know, maybe I ought to just do it their way. Maybe I ought to just go after it in the way that they're going after it. Because at least they got some good. 
These folks had some good, but it didn't last. Micah's good was ended when the tribe of Dan, a stronger group, came along and took all his stuff. <laughs> took his priest, took his gods, took his uh, ephod and all the other things that they had made up. And then they set up this false worship in Dan. And this became a troubling spot for Dan for all that time. We can never look at the outcome as to how a thing is, whether it is good or whether it is, is bad. This goes for the things of the Word of God. This goes for the things in our own life. This even goes for the things for our own country. It does not matter the outcome. What matters is, did we honor the Word? Did we honor what we were supposed to do? Many times politicians want to have us judge their, uh, uh, their intentions while we meant for good to happen. It doesn't matter what you did was wrong, how you did it was wrong, even though you intended to do some things that was right. Christians, a lot of times, they do things that are wrong. And it's, it's not the way that it should go. What Micah is doing here is so contemporary to what we are facing today. If we just uh, kind of change the thing around a little bit. We're not talking to people here tonight because if you're here on a Wednesday night, this is obviously not talking to you. <laughs> but how many people do we see in our country today who are tired of church, tired of going to church, tired of people in church and have decided that I'm going to stay home on Sundays and I'm going to have church at home because it's more convenient and this, that, and the other thing for it. Well, this is what Mike is trying to do. I don't want to go all the way down to Shiloh. I'd rather just stay here at home and have church. And it's more convenient. And so we'll have our own gods here and we'll have our own priest here and we just won't have to go far. And Dan comes along and says, man, that's a good idea. We don't like going all the way down to Shiloh either. Let's set it up and we're going to have it here for the tribe of Dan. And the whole tribe of Dan can come over here for this. And more people get let it because people like convenience. We like convenience. We don't want to do things that are inconvenient, that are hard. But that's what God says to do. He says uh, in the Word of God in, in Hebrews, don't forget the assembling of yourselves together. He said, don't do it. If he said don't do it, then to do it is... Against God. But how many times do we talk to people and they say, well, I feel that God just doesn't have a place for me right now and that this is the place I need to be. <laughs> well, that's a shame. God just put part of his word off on hold. Just like Micah is thinking is going on. Now, that's one place that it works out, but we can find other places that it works out as well where God has said, this is how I want you to do things. This is what I want you to do. Well, I just don't know that that's for me. I just uh, I don't think that that's the way that we ought to go. I just don't think that that's the way that it ought to be. And, well, I just can't do that right now. And, well, that's, that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to compare what we're doing with what God says. We always need to go and compare that. We hear people, maybe these are people who are going to church, but we hear people, again, we're not talking to folks here, but just other, other places, <laughs> And, and they're, you hear them praying about somebody who's sick. And what are they, how do they pray? Oh, God, please heal them. Oh, Lord, please do something. Oh, move on this one. Oh, God, do this. Oh, God, do that. But what's the word of God say to do? <laughs> Lay hands on the sick. sick. Speak to the sickness and disease. And it will go. That's how we're supposed to do it. If we look at Jesus, how he modeled it. If we look at Peter. If we look at Paul. If we look at these others. There was no praying to God. There was be healed. Rise up. Go out. <laughs> All these sort of things. But we don't want to do it the way God says. We don't want to compare it. Because, well, I just feel like I ought to be 
don't matter what you feel like. What matters is what the Word of God says to do. And we've got to do it the way that the God commands. We have people who say, well, I don't think that faith is that important. Well, the Word of God says that we're not going to get anything back from God except through faith. So you may feel like that's not the way to go. But it don't matter because that's what the Word of God says. And yeah, but I just feel like, you know, I was praying. You know, you get some of these folks and they're praying out to this saint and this saint and, and something miraculous happens and something good happens. Well, it's because I was praying to that saint. What happened to the hundred times before when it didn't work? Why don't we talk about some of those? <laughs> no, nah, we don't want to do that. And if you try and compare them to the Word of God. No, nah, we don't want to compare it to the Word of God. I just, I just feel like, well, we're going back into the book of Judges. And every man did what was right in his own eyes. But every man is supposed to do what is right in God's eyes. And every man is supposed to do what is written in the Word of God. And not what is written in by them. That's how we're supposed to do it. So this story is a story of how to do it wrong and even though you get good results, end up in a bad situation. You get some good things and some nice things might be happening. A priest might come wandering by your way. I'm looking for a job. Look at that. I'm looking for a priest. <laughs> and by the time that they had gone from where Micah had, uh, had started to where it was when the idols got stolen, it, it had turned into a full false religion. Because once you start twisting some things, it's really easy to start twisting everything. Real, real easy to do it. You've got to hold to the whole truth of the Word of God. And this story is a great place for us to take people if they want to start twisting God's Word. And they want to start going down the wrong direction. And they want to start doing something extra. Now, all this, all this grace teaching is going on now. I don't, we don't hear about it much up here. I'm not sure where it's all going on. Has anybody heard all this nasty stuff that's going on in the, in the area of grace? I've, I have a few people that I know of. I'm sad to say, a few of them are rainbow people. Came out of the same school I did, came out and sitting under the same people I did, and are going off on this grace teaching that pretty much anything is okay. And one person even says, if I don't ask God to forgive me of anything anymore. Nope. That First John 1, have you, you haven't heard any of this stuff? No. First John 1, 9 is not written for Christians. First John 1, 9 is not written for Christians. Yeah, we may say, well, who's it written for? I mean, <laughs> they have an answer, but it's, <laughs> well, it's, it is written for Christians. And we do repent of our sins when we, when we miss it. But, um, yeah, we had a, uh, one of those Facebook discussions. I had one with a particular individual, Raymer, Raymer person. And my wife said afterwards that she read what I put, I said, man, you are hard on him. I said, you better believe it. I said, I hope to slap the false doctrine out of that boy. And, and he just shut up about it. Every once in a while, he puts up a verse on grace. <laughs> That's all he's trying to do right now. Because I'll tell you what, he got it from all over the place. I'm glad he got it. And Brother Tony, when he was out there, he was ministering to, to us over the weekend. He was talking about some of the false things he heard on grace. He just got finished that book, DNA of Grace. And um, it's a good book from what I've, I've seen of it so far. I haven't read the whole thing, but it... Uh, Certainly, it doesn't have that false aspect of it, but there's a lot of false aspect that's going out about grace and trying to pull people into it. Don't matter what you do. Grace of God is there to cover it. And you don't got to repent of any sin or do anything like that at all. And in fact, this one brother was talking about how free he was because all his prayer time is not caught up with, with sin. I thought, well, my prayer time isn't caught up with sin either. <laughs> if, I, if, if I miss it, I, I missed it. <laughs> We go on. What else are you going to do? 
You don't don't spend you don't need to spend a half hour forgiving asking forgiveness for something. You just say, Father God, I blew it, I missed it, I did this, and now let's go on. But uh, oh, I'll tell you what. But there is in this story there is nothing good. There is there's nothing. It is all bad. Every bit of it is bad. Every player, every person involved is bad, is a sinner. Don't matter how much they mention God, doesn't matter how much they say they look into God, doesn't matter how much they say well, we are blessed because of God, they are wrong. And the Word of God is there to show it. Because how often do we look at a story in the Word of God and we say, all right, well, there's got to be a good side and a bad side. There's got to be do this, don't do this. But in this one, don't do any of it. Stay away from all of it. This is all bad stuff. <laughs> and this is shortly after the time of, of Joshua, either towards the end of when he was still alive or shortly after he died. It is not long after that. Isn't that amazing that that quickly these people were turning? These are the people who came across the Jordan. These are the people who saw the miracle in the wilderness, the manna falling, the fire, the water from the rock, all the different things, the great victories over armies. armies. These are people who saw that? And these are people who so quickly left it. It is certainly amazing. And it would be incredibly amazing to imagine that the grandson of Moses was involved. No matter how great the person is, no matter who they are the son of or the grandson of or where they came from, if it's false, it's false. And their name doesn't help it. Only the name of God helps it. Whatever we do, it needs to be ordained by God. We get so caught up in some of these other things. Sometimes we get caught up in the, in the things in prayer where we think we are heard for our many words, even though Jesus said, don't think that you're heard for your many words. The most powerful prayers in the Bible are short ones. They're short prayers. Jesus' prayer and to raise the man from the dead was, Father, I thank you that you hear me always. That's a pretty short prayer, isn't it? <laughs> Not a whole lot going on with that. <laughs> the most powerful prayers I see in the Word of God are short ones. Because they're just people who just believed God and stated it and went on. Don't get caught up in the people who begin to pull you into this religious mentality that we need to be praying and beseeching and changing God's mind. That's not what we are called to do. Follow after what the Word of God says. If it's in the Word of God, do it. If it's not in the Word of God, then don't do it. One of the things we always try and do here at Zoe is not only teach you doctrine from the Word of God, but show you people who did it. Because if there's no one who did it, then probably... You shouldn't. And if we have people like Micah, all right, they did it. But guess what? <laughs> You're not supposed to do it either because the Word of God tells you don't do it this way. And then when you find people who did it that way, you see the end result. And the end result is not good. The end result for Dan, it's a bad, it's a bad story for Dan. Dan has even left out of some of the list of the tribes of Israel. This might be the reason why. It might not be the reason why. There's people going both sides of that thing. I don't know what it is, but I do know this. Don't follow in the footsteps of Dan. They're not one of the tribes that we are told to go after. There are some great tribes and there are some not-so-great tribes. 
Let's be among those follow after the ways of the ones who were the great ones. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us in your word. There are people in your word that are like Micah, and like Jonathan, and like the tribe of Dan, who started down a wrong way, started down a dark path, and everything they did after that was born out of their darkness and not out of the light. And we shouldn't follow anything that they did because everything they did was wrong. And though they may be able to attribute some good things in their life and say it was because of this, we know that it's not. And we see from their end results that not following after God, not doing it God's way, does not have a good end. So, Father, we want to do what your word says, follow it the way your word says to do it, and believe it, and know this is coming. This is what you said to do. We'll come to you by faith. We know that it's through grace we receive things. We know what your word commands us to do, and we're going to continue to learn about the ways of God and do the ways of God. We thank you for the help that you give us in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.